I'm Evelyn, and I'm a geoholic. You're right. <laughs> oh, man. Next up, we have uh, Burton. Burton, real quick, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, name, who you're with, and kind of what you do. Hi, I'm Burton Putra. I'm with SiteView. I'm a senior project man- product manager of solar. So I oversee all our solar products around the globe. Sounds like a big job. That's does sound when like a big globe job. in there. <laughs> uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the company and maybe a little rundown of all those solar projects that are products that you manage? Yeah. Uh, sorry, it's been a long day already. No, no uh, problem. Uh, this is like you. Um, we inspect a high-valued assets, and we're trying to speed along the transition to renewable energy. Okay. So we inspect solar farms. Um, we do EPC and construction of solar farms. When you say inspect, yeah, can you, you uh, that? Yeah. yeah. So typically, we fly aircraft in North America um, with um, midway IR sensor and uh, high-resolution RGB camera. Okay. Um, or we'll use UAVs, and it really depends on the right tool for the right job. So, um, but we have the we recently rolled out the North American Solar Scan, and so we we flew an aircraft or multiple aircraft all over North America to collect every single site or data on every single site above one megawatt and process analyze that with the RGB and IR imagery mm-hmm. and present that to our customers doing um, trying to do that through an asset rating. Um, so it's a high level, very quick analysis on that site, make a report for each one. And we collected at the resolution. So you're able to do a comprehensive analysis on that and take that imagery and make a look at every defect down to the cell level. Um, wow. So is it is when you're collecting this data, is it like a uh, are you scanning these sites, like creating like a 3D point cloud? Are you is there like any infrared scanning that happens or yeah? So with the midwave IR sensor, yeah, it's um it's okay. a thermal camera. And thermal camera, yeah. there you go. And we fly with an upper overlap to do a, yeah, if we want to create a 3D point cloud of that in right. both thermal or the on the RGB spectrum, we could. Yeah. Um but we typically just try to do a high quality ortho mosaic for that and do our analysis. And the reason for doing this is it, is it um, like asset management or what, what is the purpose for doing what you guys are doing? Um, yeah. Asset managers is certainly one of our target customers, yeah. um, asset owners, financial institutions, um, people who have a financial stake in these portfolios of solar sites. Okay. Definitely. Um, we're really just trying to go move from, I think, Asset managers were or O&M providers or our traditional market, and we're working on broadening that base with this product. Cool. How long did it take to fly that North America and scan? <laughs> took about four months. Four months. Oh, wow. That's faster than I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to admit. Yeah. So, uh, did you guys like, do you guys have your own aircraft and stuff like that? Or did uh, you have... We have a few aircraft and we contracted a few. Contracts, yeah. yeah. But yeah. We, have the, we own this sensor suite and all the internal um, equipment that we needed for that. Got it. Got it. So who's, who, who are your main customers then? Uh, right now they're O&M firms, operator, operator main, maintainers and um, asset owners. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Not developers necessarily though, Not, right? No. Um, we do have a, a product, um, our geospatial product um, team that will go out and fly LiDAR and collect imagery to do cool. development work and build topo for, for those new sites. Okay. Interesting. Okay. And what um, 
what got you into this? Like, how did you get into this business to begin with? Um, so I was really interested in maps and I went to college, I went to University of Vermont and I majored in geography and minored in geospatial technologies. Oh, uh, you're speaking how, are you, how are you not a land surveyor? <laughs> how are you not a land surveyor? Remote sensing really was my bread yeah. spot. That really caught my eye. I sure. really like looking at pretty photos. Yeah. Yeah. And my first job out of college was um, inspecting transmission right ways using okay. aircraft and LIDAR sensors and multispectral sensors to check on vegetation health and see if they're growing into high voltage power lines. And sure. Yeah. And I love GIS. So, yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, so what do you love about like your current, current role? Like yeah. what, what, what motivates you? What, what, what do you love about your job? I mean, that's a great question. Um, I, mm -hmm. I don't like finding that motivation or verbalizing that is really tough because it, it's kind of who I am. Sure. Right. Like yeah. I like I love getting I love being very technical, understanding like what it would take to like, scan every site in North America. Yeah. Um, that's all, I mean, it's, it's over 6000 sites and being able to build a processing pipeline from data collection, yeah. processing, post-processing analysis and building the web platform to deliver that. And I, it's I love it. It's totally doable. It yeah. just takes money. It, and, and a lot of help from a lot of other partners that could that help like, you along the way, yeah, right? Like but, surveyors and GIS professionals yeah, and engineers. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Exactly. Had to, we have lean on our team of ge geospatial engineers to help build this up. Like yeah. it's no, it, it wasn't me, but I was right. like helping there and helping guide the team to have the outcome that we have. And now we have a fully functional product that you know we're bringing to we brought to the market this week. Interesting. Well, you brought to the market this week. This week. It's, this is so. Our, so this is a big. This the, is a big thing right yeah. here. We're rolling this it is out. A big this time. Oh, it, when it, you it, said it's been a long day, I mean, it's really been like a long year <laughs> to get to this yeah. culmination, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Last year at RE Plus, we had uh, the California Solar Scan, where we scanned oh. every site in California. Oh wow! But and that's roughly twenty percent of the market share. Okay. Um, or like in terms of um, solar production. So it's about 20, 20 gigawatts of solar production okay. in California, but and there's over a hundred in North America. So then you went from the state of California yeah. to North America in a year, correct? And, and then if there you, and there's you said there's six thousand sites in North America, just over that. But this year, next year, there's going to be a lot more. Gosh darn. Crazy. And then, so talk a little bit about what the future looks like. And is this, you know, North America 2.0 next year? Are you uh, just going to keep going back or is it yeah. go global or would you go back to California and remap all the 40% growth in that market or uh, what do you do? We're going to do the whole, whole, all the above. Scan the whole U.S. again, like in the, in the spring. Yeah. And we're, yeah. Look at these new sites that are coming online, the existing sites, see what's changed. Like there's a whole, um, geospatial and temporal component that I'm really mm -hmm. looking forward to dive into and rolling this out in Spain, Italy, and go, it's like starting to look at how we can utilize this yeah. same, same technology in Europe. And we'll see where else, what other markets will support this. And I mean, Is we're it, already doing drone scans yeah. throughout, um, I don't know, 70 other countries right now. So, Oh, wow. Is any of this like, like patented, like whether it be the process, the, is there anything like, do you guys own anything or is there, or do you have competition? I guess is my question. Well, we just recently acquired our competition. Yeah, at Heliolytics. Yeah. 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 
So, um, <laughs> yeah, we do, we do have, I mean, there are other aerial thermography providers yeah. for sure. Um, but um, yeah, yeah uh, we're, I mean, we're growing very quickly and yeah. I, we good. have that differentiated solution. Yeah. So what are you, what are you excited about? Like, where's where this going to go next? That, well, you obviously mentioned about like going to Spain and mm-hmm. that type of thing. And um, like, you can do this anywhere. Yeah. Looking forward to standardizing and really getting into the data. Um, sure. Um, I think that's really what is what is exciting me is, yeah. you know, as we're building out this data set, not only is spatially and temporally of how these plants are performing, but like the equipment that goes into them and building those correlations and the right type of equipment over time um, and maybe bringing in weather data uh, and seeing how hail strikes and how well like plants perform in different climates mm-hmm. and different and how they're built differently in different geographies. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is there any real time data that you can glean from this is that something that maybe would be looked at in the future i think so yeah yeah i it's you know it's um i work with really smart people on how to tie in real-time data sure. like there you have the SCADA data and yeah. seeing how that yeah. correlates at the time of scan yep um that would that's very interesting there'd be some value there uh-huh. i think so yeah you mentioned uh you're you're in charge of the solar what what other areas is is that view and around like is that is solar the main one or what what else you guys do solar is one of the faster growing um verticals in our company like so in like solar we do everything from um con, like uh topo work to yeah, pre-construction construction monitoring the plants to um area yeah, the thermography where we have them then a mobile app that goes along with that. So it's a full value chain on the solar side. But we also do uh, wind turbine inspections. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, with with with, with UAVs. Um, and we do property and like large building inspections as well. So taking a look at the how well, like rooftops and yeah. all of that's performing. Or you can see where the where the leaks are and you can see where the AC sure. is blowing oh, yeah. out and that yeah, kind of thing. Absolutely. And, and rooftops. Looks like you work with telecom and telecom companies as well. That's yeah. got to be a huge market for you guys absolutely and yeah. transmission and distribution so we're getting get, yeah. getting into that a little bit more over the coming in year interesting is this all geo-referenced then yes oh. <laughs> thought i had them back there. Yeah. oh yeah no it's um it, yeah. it can't not be oh, you said it the right no. you said it the right way yeah yeah <laughs> oh. uh, so great uh super cool what else what else do you want to get out there? What are you excited about? Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited. That you can really, talk about. That, that I can, can talk, talk about. about. <laughs> no, it's, um, I don't know. I was looking forward to you guys asking me more questions, but. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about the culture a little okay. bit. You know, uh, you, how long have you been with the company? I've been there. I've been there two years. Two years? Yeah. yeah. And just coming up my second, second anniversary and just seeing the company grown, like, I think I was. Like there were about five or six people working in the solar vertical when I started, and like it was just a small, dedicated group of people. And now, um, so well over, uh, like it's about a hundred and hundred or so employees working on this product. So, what are some of the challenges that go, especially in a very fast-growing department? Like, what 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 what's gotten in your way so far? Uh, Keeping keeping the vision straight. Okay. it's, It's. like there's a lot of different competing ideas. Like it's a very diverse industry. Like take a look at the solar and like all the different booths that are pertaining to solar around here. Oh yeah. At, at the conference here. Um, it's just 
you can go lots of different directions, but like keeping the whole team focused on this is what we need to do. We have this ambitious goal and we need to execute on it. Um, that's been, it's been a lot of work and our team is all over the globe. I, we have a team in India. I've got a team in four, five different countries in the EU and then every time zone in North America. Wow. I can see so many uses for this. It's crazy. Like even like, uh, mitigating risk. For example, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Perfect well, I mean, it's a it's a good facility management, asset management kind of. I mean, in in general, and yeah. just applying it that way. Um, what what other you know about, talking about the company itself and you know the growth? Have you found it hard, or uh, what about acquiring talent, or, or is there is there a talent pool of GIS professionals that live and die in the solar space that are you know are knocking at your door? How do you have you yeah. how have you been able to grow? I'd say that, I mean, there's a lot of very talented geospatial analysts out there. And it's, I mean, it's a, from when I started and like, it's definitely grown as an industry and like the education pieces out there. And there is a bit of a gap, especially on the younger side, going from college to the professional places. Like you don't have the resources you typically do in in college, but um, no, the interest is there. And like, we're very fortunate that we're working with multispectral data. Um, the remote sensing side of it, but also the GIS side. Like it's like it's very like we use QGIS and yep, uh, QGIS is amazing. Yeah, yeah, but, for free. And, yeah, so, I, it requires some work. Like you have to work and set it up and appropriately sure. and building the scripts. But and then yeah. also it's tying in the AI ML engineers that we have into this and making sure yeah. that it's most. So that's super exciting too. So it's getting like some younger GIS professionals experienced with in our seasoned industry experts, but I wouldn't say talents it's there. It's, it's great. And we, we're very fortunate to have a world-class team. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just had a great question. It's well, you mentioned point. automation. That's when it kind of jumped to yeah. me. And is that kind of another thing you're looking at? And how do you automate and use some of the AI tools? And um, we definitely use it for an, like for a lot of them, um, consistent analysis. So like we really set out when we do things, trying to do things in a very repeatable way so we can't automate it as much as possible. So for our, our solar asset reports, all of that analysis, including up to building the reports, other than georeferencing at this point, making sure that we have that nailed down is fully automated through our ML, through our processing pipeline, which includes AI ML to pull out like the anomalies and, and yeah. identify where hotspots sell defect or yeah cell defects diode failures and modules offline occur how do you manage all this data carefully such a massive amount of information it's we have over a petabyte of of geospatial data petabyte what i gotta google that what is that what's a petabyte is that is that a thousand terabytes or is there one in between that's the one about this after a terabyte okay yeah i think it's a thousand yeah terabytes of data (laughs) that's unbelievable uh, yeah, and like managing that in the cloud and maintaining like it, not only like the data security side of it, but maintaining being able to pull that and set it up in a repeat like in a sure. in a systematic fashion, so we can go and reference the site. So if a client wants, well, after we complete a scan, we'd be like, client comes to us and with like a site or a portfolio of sites, and we like we have to be able to look up that, process it, very quickly, like typically within oh, seven days, wow. and. 
being able to have that structured the right way has been quite challenging. Mm. So like your customers, the end user, um, like what is the deliverable access to the clouds where all you, you store all this data and yeah. they just get access to what they paid for? And we will provide them a login to our online portal, which is, okay. it's, um, we have, it's map based and you go in, you can see all the different sites. Um, of which they've subscribed to or have purchased. Um, mm, uh, and you can build a portfolio. Um, you can take a look at, at the imagery, transition that through time if you ha have multiple different scans. It's all based on the site. And then you're, we also extract um, feature extraction, um, all the modules out. So we basically build a lightweight digital twin and we'll attribute that damage, how we classify that to that site. and. They also get access to a mobile app too. So they're able to track th those damages in the field and then add some status tracking to them. So that extraction, is it done like by hand or is there, there's an AI component yeah. to that? Yeah. We've, sure we've trained you know, a couple of ML models, um, one for crystalline panels and one for thin film panels. Hmm. Of course you did. Uh, of course you did. <laughs> Sounds like you thought of everything. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> Uh, I'm just a surveyor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we know, we know. Uh, so what else? What do you want to get out there before we uh, take off here? Oh, I, we can come, I'm, wish, I don't know. I Come see us on the floor. We're, in we're the, going uh, to. Yeah. we got to get over yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah we're going over, over there, there after this. Nice. At some point. Uh, you have, um, we have our the booth, uh, the Heliolytics booth on the first floor, and then we're oh, down yeah. on, the, on the, well, they're on the second floor, we're on the yeah, first floor. Yeah. Uh, cool. Right up each other so nice come check it out we can give a demo um you can see all of it in action I would we love have, to see it. right now on the floor we have um if you want to check out all the sites in california nevada and arizona are okay. up on the site every site above one megawatt and then we can show off our more comprehensive in-depth um analysis for a site that we have centered we have some demo data over the trade floor and then we can also view that on the mobile app as well as you walk mm, around and go cool. from anomaly to anomaly it's awesome nice awesome it's like it's got to figure it out I, it sounds <laughs> like it <Yeah. laughs> we'll definitely stop by yeah burton thanks yeah. Oh, thanks, thanks for having great appreciate it yeah appreciate yeah. it thank you for having me back from lunch <sighs> we are back we gotta get a couple more in before we need that uh that afternoon slumber yeah yeah we're hitting it right now pretty much pretty much but i think we got a couple of really good guests here uh joining us i'm gonna have them do some really quick uh self-introductions and why don't you go first just name who you're with what you do all right my name is ralph thomas and i'm president of falcon foster real estate incorporated all right all right and go ahead. i am kent thomas i'm a project manager here at falcon foster uh, with a specialization, I would say in GIS. So all right. I started with GIS. I love it. I love it. Nice. This is Kent overload today. Yeah, this is our third Kent of today, if you count uh, the the original here. But the over uh, under, the over under for the conference is four. Is four. We've just now hit three. <laughs> it was three for today and four for the conference. So I am confident. Oh my gosh! Uh, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about what Falcon Foster uh, does? Falcon Foster has been around since 1945. Wow. Uh, we've been in since 77, have been in the telecommunications business. Uh, in uh, the mid-80s, uh, mid uh, when the first licenses were awarded, uh, we got into siting cell towers. Uh, since then, in 2007, we got into the renewable space and have been siting utility-scale wind and solar projects mm. across the U.S. So. Wow. Uh, where, where are you based? We're based out of Monroe, Louisiana. Okay, great. Office in Monroe, another office in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and remote employees all over the U.S. All right. How many employees total? 
Uh, total of 50. Nice. Nice. Good nice, size. Good size. Yeah. 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 And so talk about your job a little bit and what you do. Yeah. So uh, I got started at Falcon Foster about 10 years ago okay. doing data entry and working with GIS. Uh, had an opportunity to learn from a gentleman that worked there uh, whose last name, believe it or not, is Platt. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so, yes, hey, that uh, would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be a little too much. <laughs> the perfect GIS name, yes. right? So uh <clears throat> got started uh like I said about 10 years ago, worked my way up, data entry, GIS analyst, uh now I'm a project manager. So I still do a lot of the GIS stuff, but also help coordinate the site acquisition process, leasing, all that stuff. Got it. Got it. So are you guys, who are you representing? The landowners or are you We're on the other side on of the, it? Representing the developer. Okay. Okay. Representing developers, yeah. yeah. So you're doing all the due diligence ahead of time looking for that perfect location, that perfect piece of property. That's correct. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you work with surveyors ever? Not for surveyors. We have surveyors that work for us. There you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go. Yep. Yep. That's so, what I wanted to hear. Yeah. So once we've, uh, you know, client comes to us with a concept, yeah. we want to have X number of megawatts in a particular, okay. you know, a particular location. Yep. And then we begin the search, uh, looking for the right piece, you know, who the right you know, landowner is, yep. but also water, you know, this features, right? Is there water on the property? Is yep. there, is it floodplains, wetlands, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what the GIS team. We've got does. zoning cool. people. So right. you taking yeah. that, that, level of of scrutiny uh sure you know so not just what geographically meets the criteria but also maybe the county says we only want you in agricultural districts or something okay okay um so do you do you have like alta surveys done that type thing in order to determine where all that stuff is like determine where the different easements are and that type thing or you just kind of do an independent research as far as i do you get title reports and take it to that level uh not on the front end not on the front end yeah okay gotcha not until after you've gotten a lease sure so, uh, yeah, a lot of what we do is that really, really front end. Oh, okay. It's, yep. you know, hey, we want to get 10 sites in this county and yep. go out and lease the sites and then, you know, further that due diligence. Sure. On the front end, it's usually just crunching data with Esri, RGIS. Uh, cool. Uh, do you guys find it easy or when a client comes and says, hey, I want 10 megawatts over here, is that? Are you finding the spaces for them, or is it yes. is it harder to find, or or do you have four options for them, or is there's it a really, lot of times really... you know, it, it it all depends. It depends on what size. So if you're obviously if you're looking for a twenty acre parcel, there are lots of targets, right? Uh, you know, versus a two thousand acre mm. you know piece of property. Yep. And then where where you find is it are the clients looking specific in areas, and then you go find it in that area, or they say I, I want a hundred megawatts somewhere west of the mississippi and then you guys go and check well you see you see both flavors generally though they have an idea of where they want to be is from an interconnect standpoint okay so they'll sure. say you know this substation is a you know these groups of substations are our areas of interest and we'll you know we'll draw a buffer you know 2 mile buffer around those substations and go okay then Technically, anything within two miles of one of these locations uh, is a candidate. Got it. And okay. then we go through and further refine that by going, okay, we'll look at uh, slope terrain models. Uh, we'll look at floodplains and wetlands, and again, some of you know those zoning features mm-hmm. and stuff like that uh, to determine whether the it's actually going to be a viable sure. location. Yeah. What makes you guys good at what you do? Uh, experience. I mean, like I said, we've you know we the company's been around since 1945. We've been in the wireless industry since the mid 80s. 
and we've been in the renewable space since 2007. So, I mean, you know, we were we were in the renewable space before solar even started. Sure, sure, yeah. Really took footholds. Yeah. So, like the the telecom, is that still going like crazy? Yes. Is it really? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and it's not. It's not that you're building more towers for okay. coverage. You're you're building more towers now for capacity. Oh, so as oh, as you add as you add five G or you know you went from three G to four G to you know LTE mm-hmm. and all you know all these different technologies. Well, the faster bandwidth, you're pushing more data, which means you can't. You need to shrink the circle, so the the circles get smaller, and you have to have more more of them to mm-hmm. to be able to cover the same. Gotcha. Same same area. Gotcha. Do you guys do like corridor work as well, or is it just like large parcels, or is it corridors for you know transmission? For on the most of the stuff that we do on the on the on the transmission utility transmission side are corridors okay. for you know a gentile for a particular project to get back onto the grid. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So I got to ask. You, you set the story up where, you know, in 20, well, however many years ago, you're in the wireless space and four, 14 years ago, you got into the renewable yeah. space. So that tells me you're getting into a new space that wasn't a, a thing yet. Or where do you see the future of the company going? Are you going to keep keep chasing solar and, and, and big areas or is there what, what's next well, for you guys? Absolutely. I mean, the renewable energy, I mean, obviously, there's, there's tons of, of competitive presence out there but sure. you know these guys haven't seen the market consolidations yet uh, you know you look at you know what the oil and gas business went through and and people are still chasing oil and gas you know like it's 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 a very viable business uh and you know it's, it's exciting for me because this is like the cowboy days i mean we're talking gunslinging <laughs> you know like get out there yeah, get and put it, the stake in there, stake in it, it first yeah. and just mine. <laughs> yeah, build it, ask questions later. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's my model. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it is your model. <laughs> yeah, what about zoning and permitting? Are, are you guys involved with that as well? Yes, we are. And uh, again, you're, we're starting to see the same things that happened in the wireless business, which was the big not in my backyard movement. You know, everybody mm-hmm. wants a tower. Yep. Nobody wants to be able to see it. Same thing with renewable energy projects. They, you know, you've got landowners who weren't, who didn't have the opportunity to participate. They hate it because they're not getting a check. And then you've got, you know, those that are making money from it and they're quite pleased with it. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yep, for sure. Um, what else? What do you like about your job? Other than you get to play with maps all day. <laughs> I was yeah, saying you're putting right. me on the spot here. Uh, no, I mean, it, it's a kind of been a, a learning experience for everybody, and and it's, I, I would say that's what I love about it the most. It's uh, constantly changing. It's been interesting watching the industry morph. So, like uh, a big part of what I've done over the past two years has been community solar, cool. uh, yep. and it's it's interesting to see you know state level legislations passing, and then you get waves of of development interest in in particular areas and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like coming to conferences, that's that's my favorite part. <laughs> Especially this one. Yeah. Jeez. Well, you got stu- new, you know new technology stuff. Hydrogen. Yeah. Next you question. Know, hi- yeah. yeah. You know, hydrogen is is it promises to be a a, a big a big boom. F- yeah. For, for the business, for the industry. Yeah. How like how will that affect the the industry? Well, I mean, like what kind of infrastructure is that going to require? 
you have to pro yeah i mean you've right. got to you've got to extract it you've got to you know you've got to process it sure yep uh so again i economic impact who knows i'm sure yeah i, I have no clue yeah. yeah interesting there's so much unknown i mean things are yeah developing so rapidly it's hard to keep up with it all well it's, it's like carbon capture Oh mm. uh, yeah, I just don't. I I still have a hard time understanding. Mm -hmm. You know, all right, understand mineral rights, and you can. You yep. know, you own the mineral rights, and if somebody extracts oil from underneath your property, then you want to get paid. So, what if I'm going to put something in there? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to inject you know carbon dioxide into the earth, and so what do I owe you? Mm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. This has been yeah, it's been yeah. recent too of the what was the, the 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 things pulling carbon out of the air and then injecting them as carbon dioxide in. So it's a net zero. Right. But that's a I think that's a broad stroke of a of a net. Yeah. <laughs> because there's still a positive and a negative. I just don't see how that equals out. Yeah. Uh, what else are you seeing around here? Or what uh, what else is exciting as far as technology? Where do you see the kind of where do you see it going here? I mean. You know, obviously AI is is a big a big buzzword right now. Uh, don't know how that'll impact this particular industry, but that that I think that's going to be a pretty exciting. Uh, well, well, I mean, ideally it would take away Kent's job, and you just tell the tell yeah. ChatGPT what you're looking for, and it spits out three properties already pre-screened for you, and I, that Kent, <laughs> that <Yeah>. Kent. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. That's <laughs> Are there different challenges involved if you're trying to, you know, secure a property for wind or solar? Like, are there are there different challenges for a property that's going to be, you know, for a, a wind farm versus a solar farm? Uh, yes. I mean, but it's, it's I think it's, they're kind of the obvious things. I mean, you're talking about using something that, you know, is used as two percent. You know, you get ten thousand acres, and you're going to cover two percent of it. You know, or less than two percent sure. uh, in turbines, as opposed to a solar facility where you're you're blanketing everything. Right. Uh, so it you know it, it doesn't appear to be a uh, a co-located uh, technology that right coexists very very right, easily. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What else? You guys got anything else you want to get out there? No. We Talk. appreciate your time. Yeah. We yeah, appreciate you guys it. stopping yeah. by. Appreciate you stopping yeah. by. And meeting another Kent. Yes. Great yeah. name. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. I right. appreciate it. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Well, back day two. Day uh, two. <laughs> the <laughs> Plus show. And this is a massive event. Yeah, I don't think we, we've we've done it. We've talked since uh, we took a lap around. We didn't even get to the entire thing, and it's still the one the biggest thing I've ever been a part of. Definitely conferences. Well. It's intimidating to a certain degree. It is. It is. It like is. It, it, was, it, it was hard to get an idea of what we were doing yesterday when we were just walking around. It was like yeah, it was like a fair or something. There yeah. was like lights and and all kinds of activity. Yeah. Smell. Well, did you smell? I did. Oh, okay. I did. Good. You got your good side. Uh, but no, it's it's huge. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, a lot you of know. good things. Meeting a lot of great people. I think and I, I was... love the energy around. I mean, obviously, it's a yeah. it's an energy ah, conference. I see what you did there. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. But, uh, no pun intended. I, I, I don't know. I just. <laughs> 
And it's, uh, I love the change of pace from our typical uh, typical thing. We definitely, do. definitely. It's great. So we have our first guest with us. Really excited about this yeah. conversation. I know it's going to be very interesting. We have Marion. So Marion, I'm going to let you just do your brief self-introduction, just name company and uh, what you do. Sure. So my name is Marion Jones. Before anybody out there gets ah. really excited, this is not the track star. She's but I really am, fast though. Yeah, yeah. I am in a fast <laughs> marathon to, you know, recruit some of the best and brightest into this industry and to open up uh, more opportunities and eliminate barriers. So uh, there we go. Um, I actually am the vice president of workforce development and DEI engagement for NextAmp, which is a solar energy company based out in New England in Boston, Massachusetts. And I'm excited about being here for the Renewable Energy Conference. It has been um, just unbelievable. Um, the people, um, the energy, the sessions, and um, just to think about the number of opportunities that are available in this industry and how we can help develop talent and recruit uh, from underrepresented populations, um, underserved populations, and, you know, create internal uh, workforce development programs, apprenticeship programs, so that um, many, many people in the communities where we work and live can um, benefit from the growing, the growth that's happening in this industry. You know, as we grow, as we build, as we develop, we all know we need to do that more inclusively, sure, right? Yeah. It just makes yep. sense to do it that way. So I'm yeah. here. I'm excited. Uh, I'm on fire. That is it. outstanding yeah. stuff. And believe it or not, that is so, uh, everything you just said is a common theme of what we talk about on a weekly basis. Yeah. Recruiting, uh, awareness, getting more people into the profession. Yeah. More people that aren't traditionally don't know about mm. the opportunities that are out there. Yeah. Uh, so talk a little bit more about um, uh, do, does everyone know that there is a, an abundance of jobs uh, and opportunities in the renewable energy space? Absolutely not, because, you know, to be quite um, transparent, I didn't know how many jobs were available okay. in the renewable energy space. <laughs> I've worked in the workforce development space for um, a little over a decade. Okay. Um, and so I knew that from a workforce development standpoint, we're always talking about there are jobs in a number of different industries. But in this particular industry, um, I, you know, just to put some numbers out there, I was in a, um, an, I was at an event that was hosted by the Lieutenant Governor in Massachusetts. And they said that 38,000 jobs uh, will need to be filled by 2030 as a result wow. of just the growth that's happening in the renewable energy space. And so, you know, we are, um, you know, it's our responsibility. Those of us that work in the HR, the talent development space, um, as companies, you know, it's, you know, as mission driven companies, it's our responsibility to, um, you know, do what we can to be proactive about finding individuals who we can help prepare for those opportunities. So that's a big number, 38,000. Is that, oh, yeah. Is that like North America, global? What, what, what is that? So right now, that yeah. is um, just some global. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. Figures. And these are like jobs from entry level jobs to executive level jobs, I'm assuming. These are um, entry level jobs for for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, just with, you know, how how things are happening in the workforce, you know, we are still in that era where baby boomers are retiring. Mm -hmm. They're they're coming mm -hmm. out. And so that's that's um, creating just a wave of opportunities in addition. So that's in addition to oh, wow. um, just what renewable um, yep. job opportunities oh, wow. are are being made available. So what kind of things are you guys specifically doing to create more awareness? And like you say, get, getting it out there, like what are you what what, what are you guys doing 
like specifically, I guess. Yeah. So when you think of creating awareness, um, it goes far beyond just no one organization can do this. Right. Um, Other alone. than just showing up here yeah, exactly. to a job right. fair. You, know, right? you can't just show up at a job fair yeah. or, you know, post on LinkedIn and right. Um, Indeed. Right. Yep. Um, it's all about um, relationships. You know, um, the success of anything is about successful relationships. Right. And so for us in the workforce development space, it's about community partnerships. You know, how okay. do we go out and essentially create an ecosystem? So how do we find community partners who are already working with some of the type of candidates that we're trying to attract? So these organizations that are already working with maybe reentry population, right? Organizations that are working with maybe um, maybe a subsector of uh, individuals who are trying to get their uh, their high school equivalent or their GED, right? Um, maybe they're working with um, you know single you know single parents who are um, looking to transition back into sure. um, the job space. Maybe they're working with veterans who are you know coming um, back into the workforce, and so it's all about building those relationships with community partners, with community colleges, with universities, mm. right? Because we have uh, individuals who are um, in community college and universities and really don't know what their next step is post-graduation. So if we can educate them, if we can expose them to um, these opportunities that we have available and, and then help train them and give them these pre-apprenticeship opportunities, then um, it's a win-win for us and a win-win for that, the talent that's on the other side of that. So many parallels. Awesome stuff. Yeah. With what <laughs> you're really, saying yeah. and the industries that we work in, you know. So this is really interesting. Yeah, you said something there, pre-apprenticeship program. Like what is that? What is the pre-apprenticeship yeah. program? Yeah. Sounds so so um pre-apprenticeship program, it's just a program that is created to essentially help um educate um empower and uh, develop uh, talent. So it's a program that's put in place so that individuals can get the hands-on experience okay. right before they're actually hired into a full-time role. So usually there's some opportunity to, you know, do some of those uh, entry-level tasks. The, there's some opportunities to also work with a, a mentor-like individual that is doing the work already in that industry mm -hmm. that can help support and develop that uh, those pre-apprentices. That is awesome. <laughs> we talk about mentors a lot. Okay, <laughs> you yeah. know, the importance of having a mentor yeah. and, and making it the, a conscious effort not to just assume everyone's going to that, that it's going to exist, that yeah. you really have to pay attention and develop a program. And it sounds like that's right. exactly what and, you're doing as you well. know, even with, um, you know, mentorship, it's, it's important. Allyship is important. Um, and then at certain levels with within organizations, sponsorship is important mm -hmm. because, you know, it's great to be mentored by someone, but you also want to have someone in those rooms when you're not present that can advocate on your behalf. And so, um, you know, it's just the great work that we do around mentorships. You know, if you talk to most people who have reached a level of success in their career, you ask them if there's someone that attributed to, you know, that success that imparted wisdom on them or helped, you know, mm -hmm. open a door for them, you know, for the most part, someone's going to say yes, right? Yep. Um, and so it's, um, you know, just our due diligence as individuals to to pay it forward. And so, you know, as we continue to climb, make making sure that we're reaching back. Nailed it. Really did. <laughs> so and you good. said you so weren't good, good at this. No, <laughs> she's a pro. I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, what? So talk about why, from your perspective, uh, it's important that there's more diversification, you know, with these jobs, you know, getting more women into this industry. Um, why is that important? 
um, equality, right? Um, when we talk about diversity, um, you know, look at, you know, the neighborhoods, you know, where we work and live, um, you know, our industries should reflect those neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. think about this, you know, when a, when a government is releasing um, funds to an organization to do work in a certain neighborhood and that organization is, you know, maybe benefiting, you know, multi-million dollar contract and the individuals in those uh, communities are left behind and that shouldn't be the case, you know. So we have dropped the ball uh, on, uh, you know, on that just diversity and equality um, in a number of different ways. However, you know, this is just a really good opportunity for us to say, you know, how do we get it right? Oh, okay. You know, yeah. and, yeah. and, you know, we're talking about equality, yes, but we're also talking about economic outcomes that are a result of the equality that needs to be in place. Mm. So as we build in these communities, we want to make sure that jobs are made available to the people that live in, mm -hmm. in these communities so that we can help uh, shift the tra trajectory of, of some of their lives and the outcomes for the individuals that are in those communities. So yeah. um, this is not just uh, something that um, is necessary. It's the right thing to do. Sure. You know, is uh, political office in your future? Political you, office, I have not, uh, I, you know, I. She's so good. I know. I'm not sure about the political office. It, it, political office gets too political. Yeah. Right? Right. <laughs> you could probably have more influence. Yeah. yeah you definitely, you office, definitely add a lot more value it, it gets outside political. of that. But yeah. I will say um, yeah. advocacy is just a part of um, who I am. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, I, I realize that I'm, I'm sitting in this seat where I am today because there were others who who went before me and 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 they um you know the life that they lived was a, a life of struggle so that I could be where I am today. Sure. And so I'm, I, I, I recognize that when I wake up in the morning, I stand on the shoulders of giants. Right. Um, I recognize, you know, this morning I looked in the mirror and I asked myself and I'm not just saying this because we're here having this discussion. But I asked myself today, I said, what are you going to do today that will help, um, you know, impact the lives of other people? Yeah. And so um, I'm glad this table was here. You know, spreading awareness is yep. um, is one of those ways and really just, you know, being a resource for other people. And so every day it's about that, you know, um, not just taking up space here, um, mm. you know, on Earth. It's it's about, um, you know, taking, you know, what we have and being able to um, help make the lives of other people better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, well leaving, leaving leaving the spaces where we we the spaces where we travel and the, the rooms that we are in, you know, better than we found them. Yeah. And so that's that's what it's about. You know, what's really exciting. We're talking about diversity. And I just thought about this. Um, so I am new to this position at NextAmp. Okay. Right. This is I'm three weeks in. Oh, my oh wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm three weeks in. Right. They, they're they a little baptism by fire, but I love it. You know, it's been yeah. great. Um, NextAmp is in extraordinary uh, company doing some amazing things. Um, however, I um, I was supposed to tonight be at this um, award ceremony in Boston that um, oh, would be recognizing me, uh, the Boston Real Estate Times. Um, really? I was nominated and um, selected as the DEI uh, Person of the Year. 
That is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I had the great fortune to work with a company by the name of uh, AGC, uh, Associated General Contractors of Massachusetts. Yeah. Oh, really? Shout out to John Ferrante, um, great CEO over there and all the the staff at AGC. And so uh, someone there will be receiving the award on my behalf. But um, you're not going to take the take the jet back to get your award. I know. Had I known the two of you before and known I had access to your jet, then we could have just, we could have worked some things out, we could right? Have it you know, out, I, right. everything's about timing, it right? It's all oh, about that's timing. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so wrapping up here, I just had a question, just thought about it. Uh, what advice would you give to uh, a, a young person or someone transitioning like you were talking about into a new space uh, to uh, may, maybe become aware or what advice would you give to them if they're looking at having a career in in this industry? Yeah. So first of all, someone that's transitioning into a space, I would say, you know, take advantage of LinkedIn. It's a free um, resource where you can connect with people. Everything is about relationships. You know, reach out to people who are in industries that you might be interested in. Reach out to people who are working in the solar energy space. Reach out to me. I'm on LinkedIn, Marion Jones on LinkedIn. I'm happy Mm -hmm. to talk to you, happy to be a a resource of support. But also um, when you are applying for these positions and you're interviewing as an entry-level candidate, know that the rooms that you are in, you belong in those rooms. And so own that opportunity to be there, to represent present yourself. And, you know, you're not going to learn everything overnight. Um, It's a process. We've all went through this process, no matter where we are um, from mid-level career to the C-suite. And so, um, you know, think about the people that you're coming in contact with who are in some of the roles that you might be interested in and find a way to connect with them. Um, You know, life is about connections and we are meant to to live life, um, you know, together you know, not in silos, not isolated, but together so that we can all support each other to get to that next step of our journey. Yeah. You know what, Sean? We are are in the presence of greatness. I feel it. All the greatness in this room. Look around us. (laughs) Right? We, yes, it it is greatness. This has been an amazing conversation. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad I walked. You know, when I was walking through here, I was like, wait, this is a maze. How do I get through here? And I kept being redirected to this side. (laughs) And there was just a beacon of light. It was a beacon of light that said, you know what? In life, you are on air. I see it. There's the on air side. I saw it. It was, it was all, it was meant to be. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Mary. Thanks for having me. This, this is been amazing. Yeah. All right. Okay. We are back after lunch. We are back. Uh, Sean had White Castle for the first time. I did, and it was amazing. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, I was uh, I was very impressed. It's one of those things, either you love it or you hate it. I, I'm in the love category, I must say. I must yeah. say. Well, good, good. I'm glad I could introduce you to something that you enjoy. Yeah, yeah, and on the strip, too. And we have yeah, them in Phoenix, so we're good. Uh, we do? Yeah, there's oh, one off cool. the 101 in Scottsdale. There's All a couple right. now, actually. All right, I'm, I'm on the bandwagon now. I love it, I love it. Okay. Let's get our guest in here. Uh, Excited to have this conversation. I'm going to let you do a brief introduction, Kimberly, just your name. And uh, I know your students maybe talk about, you know, the school you go to and what you're majoring in. Okay, wonderful. So my name is Kimberly Guthrie. I currently attend Northern Oklahoma College in Tonkawa, Oklahoma. Um, and I am majoring in pre-engineering. So right now everything's kind of up in the air, but I do have some experience in civil engineering and I'm thinking about going that route just because sustainability is kind of the reason why I want to do it. 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend the wonderful world of civil engineering. Oh, okay. Wonderful. Do you have some experience in that? Uh, yes, I am a uh, practicing civil engineer. Oh, awesome. Wonderful. And I uh, um, uh, manage a mid-sized engineering firm in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, okay. Good. Awesome. I'd like to pick your brain on that probably later. <laughs> Hires. <laughs> Actively hiring. No. Yeah. yeah um, there you go. Uh, so what, talk a little bit about um, what's pre-engineering like. Uh, is that uh, just all the basic stuff until you figure it out? Mm -hmm. So basically, Northern Oklahoma College has a pre-engineering program where you just do your basic, your calculus, your differential equations, and then your engineering physics one and two classes. Um, however, on top of that, we do have a really awesome professor, Dr. Frankie Woodblack, where she kind of directs us on um, what classes we could take supplementary to that based off of where it is that we want to go. So for example, I'm taking thermodynamics, which isn't part of the degree, but it's useful if you want to go and get your engineering degree. Yeah. I love thermodynamics. Of course you do. It's one of you my would. favorites. Uh, how did you end up at that school? Um, so I originally went to Oklahoma State University. Okay. Um, I'm from out of state, so it was really expensive. And I was working my way through college at a civil engineering firm, Ghost & Associates in Stillwater. Okay. And uh, one of my colleagues told me that it is way cheaper to go to Northern Oklahoma College and that the professors really cared about you and that there were some opportunities there. Huh. So I decided to do it. And it's worked out really well for me. That's cool. So what are you, like, what, being here at this event, mm -hmm. what, uh, what, what's your motivation behind that? So the reason why I wanted to pursue civil engineering was for that sustainability side. I originally was studying electrical and then biosystems and agricultural engineering at Oklahoma State. But my MPA environmental science teacher told me to try civil engineering for that. Um, so that's kind of why I wanted to do this. Uh, we have an agent professor here. I'm currently here uh, representing repowering schools in Kidwin National. Mm -hmm. And uh, through that program, I was able to do some research at NOC's campus. Mm -hmm. And so being in that renewable space was really interesting for me because now I'm here doing kind of what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I get to yeah. know some people. So that's nice. nice. So what are your thoughts on the show so far? Oh, my goodness. It is very overwhelming. <laughs> you don't see that in Oklahoma. So. Right. You're not in Oklahoma um, anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really inspiring. It's neat to talk to industry folks to kind of get to know what's happening in the space. Uh, one of my goals here was just to know what the conversations were about, what people are looking for and what people are doing and how they got there. So what have you learned so far? What are the conversations? Oh, man. Uh, right now, it seems like there's a lot of buzz about um battery storage. <laughs> that seems to kind of be what everyone's talking about, which I haven't had much experience yet with, but I'm trying to walk around and take a look at it. Nanotechnologies, um, ways to store what you have once you make it. <laughs> yeah. What are some of the questions you ask, like when you walk up to a booth and, you know, something that is it of interest to you? Like, what are some of the questions you ask? All right. So mainly what I do first is I kind of ask the person what it is that they are doing right now for yep. a career, how they got into it. And then I also look for um, like civil engineering and if there is a place for that there as well. Because with pre-engineering, I can change wherever it is that I go to afterwards. And I kind of want to know what direction I need to go in. And then on top of that, I kind of pick their brain about what the company does, is what it's about and what they kind of want us to know. So be kind of like that. What are you doing? Where are you from? Yeah. How'd you get there? <laughs> did, you, uh, did you walk through the career fair over here? Yes, I was actually on my way back and then I, I saw the koozies, so... I stopped by for those. Typical college student. <laughs> of course. Free cruises. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so I got to ask, one of the things we talk about on the show a lot is, uh, you know, diversity, you know, because mm -hmm. we both work in fields that are male dominated, oh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that is the field that you're going into as well. Mm -hmm. um, 
talk about how, you know, I don't know if you've really experienced any challenges so far, you know, being a female in a male dominated uh, profession. Uh, but... wait, wait, you're saying that wrong. Uh, do you remember the episode with uh, yeah. Delilah and yeah. it, it's not male dominated, it's male. Uh, oh, yeah. What did what she did say? Gosh, I can't uh, like overrepresented or like something, Over, yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something Male, like that. Uh, uh, populated or something overpopulated. Like that. Yeah. So, anyway, anyway, anyway yeah. I didn't mean to de derail that. But. Yeah. 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 But, but I think it's really cool, you know, to just, you know, see uh, a, you know, a female going into engineering, you know, I mean, there needs to be more women getting into these professions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you think of like, from your perspective, do you think of that as a hurdle you have to overcome or is just something that you're just interested in you want to do? Um, so I didn't really think of it as a hurdle until after I graduated high school. <laughs> so I went to <laughs> the Young Women's Leadership Academy in Fort Worth, and uh -huh. it's an engineering female girl school. And so I went into the field thinking, okay, things are going to be so different. I'm excited. And then I got to group projects at Oklahoma State, and then I got totally run over. Oh, wow. Interesting. <laughs> and, but, you know, it wasn't all like that. It wasn't like that, at, not all the time, but sure. there it happened sometimes. Um, but from there, you kind of build, I think, a network of women that are... Um, also interested in getting women into the field. Yeah. So that's been really neat. I mean, professors and professors who have like friends and colleagues that are women in engineering and there's a lot of empowerment there in that mm. network. So that's really neat. It right. isn't, doesn't seem too hard when you have people behind you. Yeah, for sure. So what are you excited about? Like, what, like your takeaways from being here, you know, I mean, what's, what's kind of going through your mind right now? Oh man. Um, so right now I'm excited just to get involved. I don't know how or where, um, yeah. the career fair is really interesting because I was able to talk to people about where I could take it. Um, so that's kind of what I'm wanting to do is find that path and then see where it can make an impact. So yeah. that's what I'm excited for. So in, uh, ideally, what would you do with this civil engineering with a focus in sustainability, uh, education that you're going to uh, get? What, what, what would be an ideal position for you? Um, ideally, site development. Uh, it's where I've had a lot of experience. That'd be really interesting, starting from like the scope of the project all the way down to like construction bid documents. That's cool. But really, what I think I'm excited about that I'm a little too afraid to do, but I kind of want to do is research and development. Um, it okay. seems like there's a lot of innovative stuff there. So who knows if I'll switch? Who knows if I won't? Um, but it seems exciting to me. Taken any survey courses yet? I have taken a survey course. And that yes. didn't just catch you like that's the career you <laughs> wanted to go in? <laughs> it was interesting. I liked playing with all the toys. That was fun. Okay. All right. There's still a chance. It's still a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Don't rule it out. You never know. Uh, what else? What um, got? I was just thinking when you were talking about the land development pieces, and I've never really heard somebody say construction documents are exciting and fun. So I'm oh. um, really kind of want you to expand a little bit about like, why do you, why do you think land development and, and that kind of thing is interesting? Like what, what about it? It makes you want to make it a career. I really like making something and then seeing it. That's fun for me. So I had a project that was in Stillwater um, with one of the previous firms that I worked for in Dallas. And being able to sit there across from it at Chipotle and watch it get built was really That's fun. Cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. And then also just knowing how things work, you can drive around and see grading and where the water is and what people design and why they did it and think about that. And I'm an answer I can nerd out a little bit. Um, but I like land development for that reason. Um, like I said, right now I'm getting to R&D. I'm doing some research projects right yeah. now through Oklahoma State, and that's been fun too. And that's been like in solar panel grid resiliency during wildfires mm -hmm. and some other turbine stuff. So that's cool. There's a lot out there. Who knows? Yeah. How did you get on this path? 
um, on this path. To becoming, to wanting to be uh, an engineer. Yeah. Like was one of your parents an engineer or something like that? Or Mm-mm, no. no. So, um, well, somebody had to introduce <laughs> at some point yeah. you said, Hey, this is an option. Yes. Yes. When, um, when did that happen? So it happened once I went to, uh, my middle school, high school, the young women's leadership Academy. Um, so I originally wanted to go into film and that was really cool, but your paths are either film or engineering. And then they were full on those classes so that engineering. Um, and then I followed that path out doing the PLTW program. And then I just found myself kind of at the workshop doing things all day under a light and playing with voltmeters and coding. And I fell in love with it. So I realized from that point forward, like there are people out there that are fixers yeah. <laughs> and it kind of became part of like, I think an identity and something that kind of feels like, I, I don't know. Yeah. All you engineers talk alike. <laughs> well, I mean, just cause we're a special group breed. Yeah. Special I mean, breed. Yeah, we're, we're cut yeah. from the same cloth. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I, I like too it. like to look at the, the the water flow on the curb and uh, uh, impress my wife on how much I know. <laughs> and then she That's calls awesome. me a nerd and then we move on. Ah, uh, so good. So good. Well, anything else you want to get out there? Um, No, nothing yeah. else. But thank you for your time and thanks for the koozies. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for stopping take some, by. Uh, take some home to all your friends and neighbors if you want. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. There's more where that came from. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks yeah, for your time. Yeah, really enjoy the rest of the show. For sure. Thank you, guys. Okay. Next up, we have. How did, I, I should have confirmed this before we jumped on here. A, Abraham. How do you say Abraham? Abraham. Abraham. Yeah. Abraham. Abraham. A, a unique name. I yeah. can't say. He's probably the only Ibrahim here. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we took a wager before on how many Kents we would meet. Okay. And uh, so far, we've met three, and oh. that's way more than Kent thought. I've never been in. Uh, at an event with more than one Kent, let alone three. So uh, good to have a unique name, right? Yeah, yeah. It's unique here. <laughs> sure. It's unique here. So go ahead and introduce yourself, name, who you're with, and kind of what you do. Awesome. Thank you. So, yeah, my name is Ibrahim Al-Khatib. I'm Marketing and Partnerships Manager for Samsung SDS. We do uh, global logistics uh, and also digital transformation. Um, so in this case, we're here to promote our uh, logistics platform, Cello Square, which is mainly for small to medium businesses that really want to leverage data uh, and analytics in their supply chain. Traditionally, um, you know, usually you just get an invoice or a bill and you get a tracking number. So with us, uh, with Samsung, you know, we, we really dive deep into the data and, uh, you know, we want to provide business owners and businesses with the analytics and, and the reports so they can make uh, better decisions and, and more informed uh, choices when they're deciding on supply chain, routes, cost, inventory levels, things like that. Sure. So me, uh, when I think Samsung, you know, I think like phones and things like that. I mean, never does it cross my mind that there's like a logistic arm to arm. Samsung. So talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. You, you use the word arm correctly. So, um, okay, so there's the big conglomerate, Samsung Group. And the first division of Samsung is Samsung Electronics that we're all familiar with. They're the biggest by revenue of the company's portfolio by far. Hmm. <clears throat> and then uh, Samsung SDS is number two. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, so like I said, top top view, Samsung SDS is digital transformation. This is the best way to, to label it. But in any sector, so like healthcare, uh, accounting, you know, so many divisions within business where we're doing, we're, we're involved doing, you know, digital transformation or IT consulting. But the one of the 
probably the biggest uh, sector within SDS is the logistics sector. This is where we have most of our manpower and a lot of our teams working. Um, so yeah, so you know, Samsung is a huge conglomerate. They even do like insurance in Korea, life insurance, automobile insurance. Really, they wow. have uh, amusement parks, not called Samsung, but they own it and they run them. And they also do like hospitality, like hotels. So in Korea, you know, that's the HQ. Sure, they, their portfolio is very strong and robust. And they do all these different things here across the world. Usually, it's only electronics, Samsung Electronics, that's known. But uh, you know, I'm trying to change that marketing manager so i gotta spread the word who's SD, what's sds who are, are you guys really part of samsung did you guys steal the logo right when, when are you guys gonna get sued <laughs> right <laughs> so talk a little bit about what's your ideal client here and you know what where, what you guys are doing here and how can you help some of the companies that are at the show yeah great um so ideally we focus uh primarily on samsung electronics cargo first that's how we built sds was like okay Samsung Electronics is doing X amount of global trans, uh, transportation. And so we're doing it already for ourselves. Let's spin it off into like a SDS, which will be like another company that they focus on these kinds of things. And so like Samsung Electronics writes a, writes a check to Samsung SDS to handle their logistics. So we're handling all of Samsung Electronics logistics around the world, whether that's like ocean freight, air freight. And again, so for some things like that are not very important, air, ocean. Things like semiconductors and there's like the shortage, yep. air and expedited air. Hmm. And we do like cross-border trucking. So like in California, we have a lot of uh, manufacturing power in Mexico on the border. So like washer machines, uh, you know, this, I think some of the TVs are made in Mexico and then they're, tr they're cross-border trucked into US. So all, the, all of this logistics is happening through SDS. So that's our first and primary like foundation as to like volume, mm -hmm. how we can kind of compete. We have such a big volume from our, our Samsung electronics arm. So then, um, you know, okay, that's the foundation. We build upon that. Okay, what other technology or electronics companies can leverage our supply chain that see value in us carrying the, 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 lo the, the loads for them? So like, you know, there's competitors that will not work with us just because the name. We're, we're their, yeah, we're their competitors. So like LG is not going to work with us because we're their major competitor, right? right. We're both from Korea. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes we have competitors that just don't mind or we're just competitors in different sectors and, and they don't mind. And actually they prefer because like, okay, we're competitors at the end of the day, like when the products hit the shelf, but your supply chain is the strongest because you're so well established. And also your supply chain is the most reliable and it's also the safest hmm. because, um, you know, we're, uh, so our supply chain is optimized to handle electronics and semiconductors and these kinds of goods. So, you know, we're constantly monitoring for like humidity, temperature, hmm. shock, uh, absorption, like, you know, the mm -hmm. loads and stuff. So all, so all of our stuff is optimized and, and focused around maintaining the, the, maintaining the quality of the goods um, throughout the supply chain. You know, they cannot end up somewhere dead on arrival. They've been sitting in a hot container and somewhere and the, the battery's all melted. So oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, so circuit, circuit boards fry, hmm. you know, whatever. Maybe they were exposed to water. You know, all, the, all these things can happen, but, you know, we try to uh, avoid them, of course. Everybody will try to avoid them, but some are better at that than others. And sure. some have better um, contracts and better mm -hmm. negotiating power with as priority cargo mm -hmm. as, as like SDS does. So, um, so get to back to your big question is like, QCell is our biggest customer outside of Samsung Electronics. Mm -hmm. They're number two for us in volume. And they're one of the top manufacturers of solar panel equipment. 
they're number one rated for like, again, degradation. So like in five years, how efficient is the panel? 10 years, 15, 20 years, how far has the panel lost in efficiency? So Q cells number one, they, I think it was 15 or 20 years. They're still at like in the nineties. Mm, wow. And there's, they're a South Korean company too. Um, they manufacture South Korea and also in Georgia, USA. Okay. So we move all their cargo. And so we're, again, we, you know, we, we have to, at some point we have to customize for the cargo, certain cargo, if it's electronics, okay, it can fit in a case and palletize, but sometimes some of the heavy duty solar equipment, it's not so easy to handle and you have to, you know, customize stuff. So we customized for them because they gave us such a big volume and basically their entire account. And, um, so then we're like, okay, we're doing really well with QCell. They're happy with our performance. No, no, not much loss, not much damage. So we're, we're doing it at a high rate. So let's try to leverage and, and get more solar mm -hmm. uh, contracts. Interesting. How long have you been in this position? I've been with Samsung SDS one year and a half, roughly. Were you okay. in logistics before that? Uh, so my, well, kind of, but not like, not as deep as I am now. So sure. my undergrad is in supply chain. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, but when I graduated, I went straight into like e-commerce companies and sourcing okay. from China. And then, yeah, we had to bring it over. Yeah. So there's some logistics there. Interesting. Um, and then they, they, so like they would, they were small like startups or like smaller businesses. They had like friends who owned a factory and they wanted to do the brand here and leverage this, this, this. So they're like, okay, e-commerce and marketing go together in their eyes, right? So that, yeah. so then I was like, okay. So that's just how it ended up happening. So then when this position popped up, it's like, it's marketing, which, okay, I've had some experience in. And then uh, it's about, and then one of the big sectors for us is e-commerce mm. and, it, you know, it's supply chain. So I have like, I had all three, at least some variation of experience in all three. So they were like, okay, you seem like you're, you're a good fit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool. I guess where I was going with it is, you know, it, I don't think it was ever sexy to talk about supply chains until... The pandemic happened, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's talking about supply chains, or yeah. they, they knew what the hell they were talking about or not. Um, are we past all those holdups from the pandemic? You know, like, are, is the supply chain, are, are there just still shortages of materials and things like that? And, or, or is it back to where it, a, where it was pre-pandemic is, I guess, the big question. Yeah. And have all the ships been emptied that were offshore? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The lines in Long Beach, right? Yeah, yes. the lines in Long Beach. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a really good question. And um, so there's there's two real answers to it. Is um, the market has bought for sure bottomed out. So like, let's say like peak COVID, a container from Ningbo, China to like Long Beach was like twenty thousand dollars. Let's just say now Crazy. it's like two two thousand oh, dollars. So the market way. spiked up. And it fell all the way back down. And not, oh, wow. not not overnight, but just month after month after month. And that's indeed it, it, it's it's a total like demand and and uh, supply. I mean, this it's it's very you know when everybody wants to ship something, the price just goes up because everybody's fighting. They're willing to pay one dollar more, one dollar, ten dollars, yeah. hundred dollars more per container, whatever. Yeah. So the price just stacks. And then when nobody wants to ship, same thing. It just falls to the bottom. And and we're pretty much at the bottom right now. Hmm. Um, I think there's still shortages, like mm -hmm. for sure there's shortages of semiconductor that right, I know yeah, for sure. Sure. Uh, most of the other things have flattened out. Um, but I would say, you know, what I've seen is like last year, this year, and even this isn't even, this is my personal like experience, but also Samsung gives us like market information, um, you know, inflation or just, you know, all these things, the demand for goods is, is, is very low. Even mm -hmm. like Walmart, let's say like a retailer like Walmart, they're they're cutting 
POs, like they used to, let's say they used to order, you know, a hundred containers from this factory. Now they're doing 10. <laughs> and so a lot of factories in China went out of business or they've downsized wow. significantly uh, because they're, they were reliant on these orders and it was consistent. But then the pandemic, the pandemic shot up the order. So let's say they were or usually they're getting a hundred in the pandemic area. They got 150 or 200. So they were like super happy, but then there was too much goods on the, on the, on the, on the boats. And then we were, they were missing when they were going to arrive. Like we talked about the long beach lineup. Mm -hmm. So like they ordered, they ordered stuff for Halloween and it got, it got <laughs> offloaded on Halloween day. Wow. So all that stuff needs to be now liquidated. Yeah. And, and, and now they're saying, okay, for next Halloween, uh, you know, we're only going to, we're only going to order like 25% of what we usually order. And we're, and we're going to be very picky about, you know, X, Y, Z. And that's actually, Walmart's the example I gave, but all retailers are doing that. They're being much more picky on what, how much they're ordering, how much they're holding, how long they're holding it for, and then liquidate it as fast as possible. So this is creating like interesting an aggressive market and, yeah. and really it's hurting. Right now is the worst time for logistics, to be honest, but it presents an opportunity for a reset. It's like a reset, you know, sure. it, it was, it was stable. And then it spiked during yep. when the demand spiked, and then now it, it had to reset because it was just crazy. Well, and I think we're, correct me if I'm wrong, but some of that, all the supply and supply chain issues, it kind of exposed some underlying problems that no, you didn't really think about until you, you know, pluck one one cog out of that uh, that mm. system and the whole thing breaks Falls down. Apart. And I'm guessing, and, and I'm guessing it's something that you guys are doing. Of how do we prevent that going in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Um, those weaknesses in the supply chain only showed because we went through something that we've never gone through before in our lifetime. Mm. So nobody could really have predicted or like, you know, prevented. Now everybody is, is kind of like heading that way. They're trying their best to solidify supply chains or actually the better word is diversify, mm. diversify. So like, okay, I used to go with one, one company or one, or one shipping lane or one uh, transportation company. So, and all my orders are there, 100% of my volume is there. Let me, but now let me diversify. Okay, 25% to them, 25% to them, 50% to this person, this company. Um, there's a lot of diversification going on. I don't know if we're covering up, like if the pandemic were, let's say, or something similar were to happen again, do I believe that we are like now all like prepared for something like that? No, I don't, I don't, okay. think, there's, there's, yeah. I don't think there's been <laughs> enough time or like, changes implemented maybe thought wise we're, we're coming up with ideas but to implement them and make sure they work and it's doable. well yeah you, what you just said about diversification sounds good in theory but yeah. who's actually doing it and when it comes to if you actually cost a little more to spread it around our company's going to actually do that or not yeah maybe aware of it but and even you let's say they do it if it's if the event is big enough no matter how much you diversify, it won't even matter anyways because well, yeah, the, yeah, port, exactly. the port will yeah. be slammed. Whether you went with that carrier or that yeah. carrier. If, that it carrier. Was, if it was a hurricane that blew out the port, doesn't yeah. matter who's bringing it to it. It's exactly. still a problem. Right. Interesting. Right. What about like on the human capital side? Is there a shortage of people in this, in this line of work that you're in? I don't think there's a shortage. I think it's just getting more expensive. Like, for example, all the Teamsters union with like UPS recently, oh, you know, sure, like yeah. the drivers, yeah. they're, you know, the drivers are making more than like average college grads. Nothing wrong with that. But that's just the way it is. Yeah. Okay. So UPS has to pass that cost in some way, some shape or form. Mm -hmm. So, so I think that's what it's used to be like. This used to be a very cheap labor sector. 
okay, to run a warehouse and to have your operations team, it would be like, you'd pay the guys like 10, 11, your ma- 12, 13, your manager would make like 18, 19, 20. Now the, the, the base guys are making 20. Mm. And so that cost has to go somewhere. And it, it comes with inflation, like everything's going up. But I think this, I think the specifically the labor cost has, uh, you know, catapulted like the, the logistics cost to kind of like increase faster. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And you got to pay those entry folks 20 bucks an hour because they can go and make that at freaking McDonald's these exactly. days. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. I, I have times. to admit, you are the first person I've met that uh, went to school for supply chain. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just t- tell me where'd a little you, bit. Where'd you go to school for that? Yeah. I went to uh, Cal Poly Pomona in Southern California. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. My parents met there, so I figured I'd go there. <laughs> <laughs> and how'd you get into this field? Or what, what made you choose? Supply chain? Yeah. So my father uh, had a warehouse. Mm. Um, and I that was my first job was helping him in the warehouse, managing inventory, receiving pallets, truckloads, inventory, operations, preparing, staging stuff for outbound, whatever. So I grew up in like the warehouse kind of. Okay. So I just felt, okay, like I have some context. There was only like two or three other options, like finance, uh, (laughs) supply chain, and then I don't know. Land surveying. Yeah. (laughs) Some tells me that's not one of the options. Olympic swimming. Yeah. (laughs) And so like maybe maybe professional cannonballs. There there you go. Um, so finance was like the hardest. I took a couple, I, you have to take a couple of finance classes. And I was just like, man, this is totally, I can do it, but it's just like, I, I don't have a passion for it. And, and not like I have a passion for running around warehouses and touching uh pallet jacks and loading of pallets, <laughs> but it just was like more my calling and I had the context. So I just felt, okay, it's, it, it can be applied in so many things. So, so and my pops yeah. was like, you know, you may not do what you actually graduate in, but get something that will kind of give you like a good base, good sure, foundation. Yeah. So, so that's what I went with. Yeah. Well, that worked out well. Yeah. So what keeps you up at night when you think about supply chains and specifically the ones that you deal in? What, um, <laughs> what do you lose sleep over? Uh, honestly, I don't see lose sleep <laughs> over sleep like a baby. <laughs> Do not let this bother me. Great answer. I mean, yeah, like there's so many people above my pay grade and below my pay grade that are, that they, they worry about it. Uh, yeah, my job, the sweet spot. I'm in the sweet spot. Like yeah. I just get to spend money. I get to decide where we're going to advertise, what shows we're going to go to, you know, yeah. who cool. to network with, partner with this company, partner with this company. We were at, uh, the Alibaba show last week in Vegas here. They had their first show, big show. And, you know, I spent a, I blew a bunch of money on that show and everybody's like, good job, good job. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Cause like, you know, Part of the package I got was like my boss is my boss and his boss and his boss can talk to, you know, the VP of Alibaba and the and the president wow. of Alibaba and you know North America a logistics Alibaba president. Yeah. Wow. They can be friends and talk and have wine. <laughs> and they had a good meeting, so you know, yeah. yeah, makes me look good. So and plus other KPIs. So yeah, yeah. interesting. Very cool. Very cool. Anything else? Anything else you want to talk about? Let me look at my card. Um, <laughs> No, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, yeah, I think I think uh, you it's know, it's really interesting. Visit the website. I mean, the website is huge. Like, I yeah, it I is have huge. Yeah, it, it it's like even I will like get lost in it sometimes, and it's just crazy how big Samsung is, and and how like again little known that they do all these other things, and and you know, so 
Yeah, um, no question. A, a lot of interesting stuff. Like, oh, I'll, I'll just mention this. So, like, we have a brand new platform, like I said, Cello and Cello Square. So, Cello is for like enterprise level customers. They they need tailored custom solutions, right? And then we made Cello Square for like small, medium, cookie cutter, but lots of data and lots of tools and dashboards. And and so I'll just name some of the cool stuff so yeah. that way people know. Yep. So we've got like real-time quotes, we've got AI tracking, we've got AI congestion uh, ports. So you can see like live monitoring of the ports, like how many so days cool. is it gonna take to unload at Long Beach? And then the average for America. And then, and then this is the whole world. Uh, we have like AI optimization for like pallets. So you put in your cases and how much they weigh and how, you know the size. And the AI will spit out how to best compile your your pallet. Mm. And same thing for the container. Okay, how big is your pallet? How wide? How much does it weigh? Okay, this is how you should you should set up the container. Um, we do we have blockchain enabled in our platform. So like those customers that those customers that really want security as part of their supply chain, usually with like very precious goods like wine, can be mm. easily counterfeited. We've had customers with like vaccines, moving vaccines, also like luxury goods. They they want to make sure like hey my stuff doesn't get stolen and my stuff doesn't get counterfeited yeah. somewhere along the journey. So like, okay, here's origin, here's destination. So somewhere in the middle, it makes a mysterious stop at the island and then it begins, <laughs> it gets switched out, right? So those kinds of customers, they they want that stuff. So just just some some little tools here and there that, you know, set us apart. And then uh, just that, you know, Samsung is cutting edge for sure. And then we, we keep adding, that's our thing. Like we keep adding to the platform. And then the best part is at least Cello Square, which is the platform I'm talking about, which is for small to medium. Cello Square is 100% free. Really? F fully free. Like there's no like premium version. Oh. You got to unlock if you pay, you know, $100 a month or whatever it is. 100% free, no hidden features that are the premiums or whatever. It's just 100% free. We only make money if you book one of the services. Oh, gotcha. Wow. Interesting. So, you know, provide cool. value up front. <laughs> Let small businesses get some data on their on their logistics and supply chain, and and then go from there. Let they will trust us. Be like, okay, you know, Samsung's providing this free. We're not the cheapest. We're not the most expensive. But again, you're getting the you're getting the data, and you're getting yeah. all these dashboards and tools and stuff. So people who value data to make better decisions will see value for sure. People who just want the cheapest, 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 cheapest price because there's always someone who will do it for a dollar less. Yeah. Right. You know, they will find that person. Yeah. Well, and you get the backing of the Samsung name, which is yeah. obviously highly respected. So good stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Really appreciate your time, Ibrahim. It was uh, great to meet you and awesome. yeah, love the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you, gentlemen. Great. Great to meet you. Thank you. Good morning, Sean. Good morning. We are back. Day three. We made it to day three. I Walked in here this morning. I'm like, I have no idea how I made it here at this point. <laughs> Last night it was a doozy. It was a lot of fun. We had a good time. Uh, yeah, thanks to Trent Keenan. Huge, uh, huge shout out to Trent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hosted a nice dinner for Always us. Always so awesome. hospitable, that oh, guy. Over hospitable. Generosity through the roof. Yes, without a doubt. Yep. All right. We have Pete. our good friend Pete with us this morning. We're going to let him do a quick self introduction. So if you would, Pete, just name who you're with and what you do. I'm with uh, Bone and Dawson. We're out of St. Louis, Missouri. We're a 75-year-old tubing fabricator. We focus on high-volume, repeating MRP-type uh, tube fab. Okay. So MRP, talk about that. What is that? Meaning uh, we get a blanket order from our customer for, say, uh, 200,000 parts. Oh, wow. And then we ship them X amount per month per their MRP system that tells us weekly, here's what we need, here's what we don't need. Yeah, and kind of like, what do you guys special in? Specializing specializing in in tubing and weldments, 
uh, and high volume, that is the specialty because there's a lot of people that do too, but they don't do it in the volume that we handle it in. It takes a lot of infrastructure in the company to make that happen. So we're reading our customers' MRP systems, their downloads, and we're responding by changing what we're going to make in 60 days or 90 days to okay. support their needs. And who are your typical customers? Our typical customers, uh, customers are like people in the agri uh, agricultural industry. Uh, we make a lot of handrails for things like tractors, combines, and other equipment. Okay. Um, another big customer is outdoor power equipment. For example, we make like six and a half million lawnmower handles a year. If you ever wondered where your lawnmower, lawnmower handle came really? from. And I'm sure nobody oh, ever okay. wonders where that comes from. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy. And we've been doing that since the, the, the 40s. I mean, that was our first market. Lawnmower handles? Lawnmower handles. And and, uh, and lawnmower handles were for lawnmowers were typically built in the center of the United States, like in Illinois and oh, yeah. Illinois to Mississippi. That's sure. where all the, the first ones came from. Did you say 6.2 million? 6.5. Yeah. I mean, anything that takes a handle. We make it. We make like zero turn radius handles for, for, for ride on mowers that are used by commercial guys. And yeah. then, you know, a consumer lawnmower handles. I mean, wow. Yeah. So we, you, we're very good at it. I mean, we, we have a lot of automation in our plant. Right. Sure. Yeah. And we, you, you drop a piece of tube in one, one end and a lawnmower handle comes out the other end. That is cool. Yeah, untouched by human hands, hopefully. Interesting. I, I want to get back to that. But so do you guys do the engineering in-house too? Like the design, the we, mechanical engineers? We do all staff, the design or? to make the tools to make the parts. Okay. But our customers pretty much tell us, here's the they, handle okay. that we want. Yep. Okay. And and it may be there's some, there's some discussions about how do we make that and how can we make that for less money. So do they just send you a CAD file and you yep. uh, put yep. it in the machine and it spits out what they want? Not that simple, but 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 they'll send us the CAD file and then we'll we'll design the tools uh, and then put it in the machine to say make you know make make five hundred or five thousand or fifty thousand whatever. Interesting. And how how long have you been in the tubing business? I've been in the tubing business uh, thirty years. Wow! Wow! Yeah. This month actually. <laughs> Well, good. That's that's good because my next question is: What advancements have you seen in the in the industry that has has really changed things? Good question. Yeah, the the metallurgy in the in the steel itself, uh, the tube manufacturers and the steel people have really gotten a lot more automated, and that's helped us. But the machinery has just gotten better and better every year. I mean, for example, thirty years ago, we would quote a tolerance on bending of like plus or minus one degree. Well, that may not sound like much, but right. at, at, at 50 inches away, oh, sure. Sure, yeah. yep. it's a lot. Yep. But um, um, nowadays, it's like a quarter of a degree. And, uh, and the lasers and, uh, and robots. Um, yep. Yeah, we probably have uh, we have 20 robots in our plant. Wow. That are just, those are just material handling robots. We have 16 arc welding robots. So. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. So I got to ask, I'm a, I'm a geotech guy. I see these massive screws over here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we'll talk a little bit about what those are what, and what you're doing with them. We're really excited about that market and we're really new into it because it, on or around January of this year, we kind of found out that, you know, there's a really a market for that and that there aren't any domestic manufacturers of ground screws. And a ground screw, for those of you who don't know, it's a, a mechanically fabricated screw that's made out of tubing. Uh, it's swedged. The flights are welded on it. And they're anywhere from, you know, two meters to, to 10 feet long, depending upon, you know, on the application. Mm. Uh, you screw them into the ground, and they really become like a piling. Or they, they actually replace a, a concrete, you know, a, um, caisson? footer. Yeah, yeah, or caisson. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, well, you, you mentioned yesterday how uh, you built a deck, I think. And I did. You, you use the I, ground I, I screws. Built a, as... I built a small fence to, you know, okay. just a, they call it a trash can hide. Yeah. And my my son and I put three ground screws in the ground in thirty minutes. Oh my gosh! You can't drill 
three, you know, dig three, you know, two and a half, three sure. foot, you know, oh yeah, holes to sink, you know, concrete posts, yeah. concrete. Uh, how do you how do you drive them in the ground? Uh, you manually start them, and you get it. They get they usually sell you a piece of rebar with it, mm -hmm. and you know until it gets pretty close to done, you're gonna you're you're, you're okay. But when you when you get closer to to the finished depth, yeah. you got to put a a larger bar on it. Okay. And uh, fortunately, I, I'm a tubing fabricator. So, so you have that, that stuff laying around. <laughs> yeah, it's laying around in my bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. But you know, so we had some of that stuff. So I, I just, we cranked it down with that. But in a commercial application, you would use something like a one piece, they call it, that would mount to like a skid steer mm -hmm. or, or even a pile driver frame and basically just drill them in with a hydraulic drill. And, and then some of them, with, with the, what I've seen, you can insert a meter and a half screw and like, 30 seconds. So is that the big, the big benefit is the time saving? Time saving and overall cost versus some of the other things, you know, a driven pile, for example, a big H pile, depending upon the length, you know, you're talking $250 worth of steel mm. as it comes off the truck. Right. Um, and if you're using a ground screw, ground screws at a meter and a half are like 25 to 35 bucks, depending upon the metallurgy. Mm -hmm. um, you get a couple of those and then you got an A-frame that goes on top of it and that's a lot less money than a, you're still less money than a pile. Sure. Yeah. 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 It sounds like there would be a geotech component to. Oh, yeah. Anytime you're screwing anything in the ground, it's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, it, it's not going to work in every soil type. No. So. No. Uh, yeah. and, and I'm not a, uh, and that's why I'm talking to you guys, because I'm not really a geologist at all and don't understand soil compaction and stuff like that. But what we've heard is it doesn't work very well in sand. Right, so you got to dig yeah. down twenty feet, so you might as well use a pile. Yeah. But uh, in in clay and uh, rocky soil and stuff like that, uh, it works pretty good. And then yeah, think about when you go to the beach and you got to put your you screw your umbrella right. in, into the sand. Like yeah. <laughs> that that first six inches it doesn't do anything. You really got to get in there. Yeah. And even then, it's still not the best. But yeah, clay applications when it's uh, maybe some expansive soils, you can really and because you're you're limiting the the spread of the footing but you still get all the benefit from the because you don't need a whole lot of bearing capacity there for yeah, yeah. for like a, a a panel sure sure yeah um what like what the markets that you service the most you mentioned lawnmowers that yeah. type thing i mean yeah. it's it, yeah, I there's some the automotive industry we do. We, we, stuff we service like that. automotive yeah. because we're good at high volume and mm. that's always been a market that we we we're, we're cautious with we want to do we want to keep that to about 10 percent of our overall business portfolio why is that well but when automotive goes south it, it goes bad i mean oh, it's got to be diversified you, just, you just shut the whole plant down oh wow and we don't want to we don't want to be 90 percent automotive right but there are people that do that and they survive but that is sure. that's tough when the market changes lawnmower handle market stays pretty consistent it's been pretty consistent grass always grows grass always grows one <laughs> percent growth every year i mean, <laughs> I mean awesome. in the outdoor power equipment market all the guys in that market they, they know it. it's one percent growth every year right which is amazing but uh, anyway automotive and then uh we do a lot with the off-road vehicle industry with the uh, atvs, ORVs sure. okay yeah i can see that yeah that's been a huge market for us and we're really like sand rails and stuff right um not so much sand rails but but you know but like the the side-by-sides and stuff that you okay see. yeah 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 that market is really blown up and uh we're really good in that market. Most of the parts that, that we make, you don't even see. Mm. They're down in the frames. Sure. Wow. We have a couple of systems that literally produce, that's all they do. And they do it 24-7. Right. They, they run two shifts a day or three shifts a day, depending upon volume increases. And they're completely unattended. And they, they run and they do uh, 
the frame parts basically for a, a, a big side-by-side. -side. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Wow. What about like from a material perspective? I mean, is it, is it hard to get the steel that you guys use? You no, know, we're, we're crazy. We're, What's that market like? Yeah, it's much better now going through COVID. There were real shortages. Um, and, and it was everything. It was the ore. It was, you know, Coke. It was getting stuff to make steel. Uh, and then, you know, the market was just kind of in flux. But uh, mm -hmm. right now, it's not hard to get. We're very close to our suppliers. We know them really well. Um, you know, they we're, we're generally speaking one of their better customers um, because it's weekly shipments, you know, to us. Sure, oh, yeah. Sometimes daily. But, yeah, no, uh, um, 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 material's good. Um, um, the, the mills are up and running, you know, uh, uh, pretty much full capacity full capacity they they tend to manage their capacity to manage manage pricing but right now uh it's favorable yeah yeah that's good uh so what are you excited about what's uh you know you talk about the new technology like yeah. uh, what are you excited about coming up in the next few years we're really excited about solar and 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 that's great news and and uh, i moved in within our company i moved over to manage the solar division how long is that has that been a focus for you uh since january <laughs> oh really wow. really it's about since about August one when we found out we were going to be in this show, um, and that's all we've been focusing on. But I had to transfer out of the old job and and sure. my replacement. But you know our our business has been growing steadily, and we're very fortunate. Good hardworking people. I mean, this is how many uh, how many people in the company? About two hundred people. Okay, in our in our building wow. in in our our between our facilities in St. Louis. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then we have remote facilities. We have a facility in the Carolinas, a third party logistics, and then El Paso, Texas too. Okay, yeah, cool. So uh, talk a little bit about, you know, what do you see? I mean, the idea is great. You know, the applications there is, do you see there's a, you know, do you see that solar space growing a lot? And we do. We, we, we really think that, and we're hitting it at the right time. A lot of people that we've talked to are saying solar is, you know, uh, solar can be the, the solar coaster, they call it. Um, but oh, yeah. it, it's now at the top of the, of the hill. Uh, or the, 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 the coaster and it's in, in a good position. So looking for a lot of growth over the next couple of years, at least, mm. and probably the next 10 to 15 is what, what we're hearing. Depends on who you believe on that. We're, we're very excited about it. Well, if you talk to anybody around here in this conference, <laughs> you're at the top of the top of the hill and it's going to so? keep going up. It, uh, I see no decline in everyone we talk yeah, to, but correct. however, those are business development people in the solar space. So, and, and like I say, it depends on who you believe, but you know, most people are, are, are very enthusiastic about it. And we are. And sure. the other thing that I got to point out is just working with people in this marketplace, they're very open. They care about what they're doing, which is really interesting yeah. because, yeah. you know, they are doing something good for the environment, you know, vicarious by, by working in the marketplace, which is really neat. And you don't see that in other industries. Sure. You know, if you're selling lawnmower handles, they're all about mowing lawns and that's not exactly helping the, you know, the, uh, the uh, uh, environment. Yeah. So people are pumped up about it, and uh, it's uh, it's contagious. One thing I've noticed too is everybody we talk to is all about teaming with people and getting partners yeah. and collaborating. It's like like you yeah. said, very open. Like, hey, this is what we need. Everyone's very. It's yeah. It's not a it's not a good old boys network. <laughs> Definitely, good point. Definitely. And, and you know, if this were per se an automotive show, you would notice the difference instantly. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah exactly. If you're an automotive guy and it's a it's a component show, if you're not buying something, they don't want to talk to you. If you're not buying something directly from them, yep. And and in the solar industry, people, everybody will talk to you. Right. Because everybody. Yeah. And what they, what what people say is that you be careful who you talk to, or you remember that guy might be a competitor today, but mm -hmm. tomorrow he's a partner. Right. And yeah. that's and that's really true. If you've seen some of the consolidation and mm -hmm. and uh, acquisitions in the industry, or, sure. You know, yeah. Yeah. So. It's, What's the open, like? Open what's the that. labor pool like? Is it hard for you guys to find? You know, during COVID, we really uh, we learned a lot during that. I think a lot of people did. Um, 
our, our wages came up significantly, uh, about 30%, well, which was big. Uh, it's hourly labor. We are a union shop, okay. and which is a, a good for good for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but availability is very good right now. Mm-hmm. And and you know, right now we're kind of in a holding pattern in terms of hiring, but we'll probably start hiring as we get uh, closer to the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So, again, okay. yeah. So is it seasonal? It does tend to be yeah. somewhat seasonal, okay. which is one of the reasons we we think solar might offset some of that. But oh, yeah, we sure. try and level load our business as much as possible based on what our customers are telling us and. You know, sometimes we're taking some risk and building some parts that mm-hmm. maybe we, we don't really have, you know, firm orders for yet, but it's better than doing nothing or sending people home. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we let you get out of here, um, talk about BDI a little bit, you know, about uh, the company culture and, you know, why why you love being a part of it. Well, I mean, one of the reasons I love being a part of it is it's a family-held company. The, the CEO is a year younger than I am. Uh, we started there around the same time and mm. he took it over from his father and, and his family and um, it's a family run company and we run the company as if the people that work there are in the family. Um, I, I always, always like to say the, uh, the engineering guys, and we're very engineering heavy, uh, the engineering guys at the end of the day look like they've been changing the oil in a dump. <laughs> I mean, these are guys that are not sitting there with their pens and their, their CAD styluses. They are, if they're out on the floor, you know, fixing a problem, they're up to their elbows in, in grease and dirt and they are on, it's a hands-on thing. Gotcha. And uh, we always say that we, we always hire that kind of kid. That's the kind of uh, guys nice. that, we, yeah. that we like to have. And it's a, it's fun. It's fun to work there because everybody's a, a good team spirit. And like I say, when you look around, you see like a VP of engineering with, you know, his shirts filthy because he's been out working on a bender all yeah. day. It's like, you know, kind of brings it into focus. Sure. That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. And you're in the, in the America's heartland where the, the work ethic is. We ingrained so. in people, right? We right think, out of that. We, we, of we think so, and, yeah. and but I, I mean, I believe in just America in generally has in general has a great work ethic, and sure, you know, yeah, we, we hope that continues. Yeah, nice, good stuff. Anything else you want to get out there? No, no, really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, to been great. Yeah, yeah, great chanting with you. Yeah, Thank thanks you. for stopping by. You bet. You bet. Take care now.